0: You're listening to Dear God, What the Hell. We're your hosts, Amanda and Christina. The purpose of this podcast is to recognize
1: where the white American evangelical Christian church has fallen short and to recommend ways the church can improve. This is a safe learning and sharing space where we are unpacking our own personal experiences with the church and its sometimes toxic theologies and teachings.
0: We recognize that not all evangelical churches are the same. What we share is an expression of our own personal experiences and is not intended to paint a picture of the evangelical church as a whole. We hope that by joining us, you are able to reflect on and unpack your own experiences growing up in the church as well. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi, how are you? just
0: kidding. Hi. No, you're, Hi. How are you? I
1: I. Am good, no joke. I did just wake up from a 15 minute power nap.
0: Ooh because spicy. Yeah,
1: because I hung my curtains and they look good. I give myself a B minus because I'm a little uneasy with how some of it looks, but um they're up and they're stable currently. So uh I'll take that as
0: a win. Sweet. I yeah. mean, the real test is: are they going to come crashing down in the middle of the night and scare the shit out of you? Yeah. So we'll we'll just see. We'll just see. But hopefully that
1: <laughs> helped me sleep because I have not been able to sleep the last few nights.
0: Oh, but, for sure.
1: But they're lovely blackout curtains, and I
0: I really I really dig them. But how are you? I am hanging in there. We are switching to our new bell schedule for teaching, which means that just as i got comfortable i now have to get uncomfortable again and i'm learning how to work through being uncomfortable and i got to have a wonderful heavy-hearted at times yet also light-hearted at times discussion with three of my favorite co-workers today and that was a very life-giving process because we i kid you not made b puns for a solid like maybe five minutes and just laughed our asses off. Oh my God. And it was really nice. So when you just said you gave yourself a B minus on your curtain job, I almost just said, Oh yeah. Welcome to the hive. And then I realized that that would be very out of context. So
1: Oh my yeah. God. I, I mean, I, I probably still would laugh because I love jokes like that, but um, <laughs> yeah, definitely give myself a B minus. We'll see. I, I kind of um, rigged it in a certain way because it, the, The screws that came with it work with it, but they don't really block some of the metal from like sliding off. So, like, they're like the head of the screw isn't big enough. Okay. So, so I rigged it in one spot and I put some cardboard, like some really thick cardboard, in between Mm -hmm. the screw and the metal. So, it like kind of acts as that head. And I think I might have to do it on the other side too. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm looking at it and it's definitely coming forward and I'm like, no. (laughs)
0: No, yep that makes sense I remember the curtain rod that I hung in my bedroom in our old apartment and how I well let's just say once again I'm so glad that that we didn't have to patch those holes because they were repainting anyways but yeah that thing was put together on a prayer and a wish and probably actually a lot of push pins
1: Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, appreciating the fact that I won't have to deal with that for about a year so.
0: Hell yeah. Or maybe. who knows, maybe two years.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, the whole reason I hung these things is because I'd like to stay here for a minute. So
0: For sure. So. For sure. But anyway, hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. This is episode six
1: of uh, Dear God, What the Hell?
0: sex drugs rock and roll
1: that is the theme of today is sex drugs question mark and rock and roll um yeah i mean this is such a why i mean we can go on and on about this topic honestly but i i love the notes that my lovely co-host has typed up here um and i'll let you lead it off because you typed up these notes amanda so go for it
0: Oh, geez. Yeah. Let's start by talking about um, rock and roll and not rock and roll as a euphemism for sex, but rock and roll is in like what kind of music we listened to when Mm -hmm. we were kiddos in the church. And I have one really striking memory I want to start with. Um, I remember one day in school, particularly in chapel at school, where we had students come up and give their testimonies, which if you aren't familiar with what your testimony is, I feel like the new hip lingo for that is, like, your story of how Jesus is impacting your life or has impacted your life, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And one girl came up and gave a testimony about how only listening to Christian music for a week made her a happier person, oh. which... Yes, which was very it piqued my interest. And also, as we've addressed previously, I am a J on the Myers-Briggs, a.k.a. I lean super hard into my judgment. I remember thinking like, what? You mean you don't already listen to a ton of Christian music? Girl, you go to a Christian school. What are you doing with your life? So (laughs) yeah,
1: seriously, I mean, I didn't even go to a Christian school and literally the only things I listened to when I was growing up was Christian radio Christian music. I mean, this was up until about 8th grade. Once I hit high school, I started to develop my own taste in music, but until that point, it was literally nothing but, you know, Christian music and and I think that that was big. I mean, to be honest, that's all I thought there was. I didn't And it's so funny. Really? Yeah, because my my folks, I mean, you know that our our dads were like rock fans when they were Mm -hmm. growing up like our dads have impeccable taste in music and I didn't listen to any of that no Zeppelin no Bob Dylan no you know Beatles no Elton John no nothing it was
0: that's really funny that you mention that because now that I think about it I did not get any of my musical tastes from my dad I got pretty much all of my non-christian musical tastes from my mother with the exception of the dances with wolves soundtrack which i have forever been obsessed with because of my dad but that is so that interesting.
1: I, I had no idea about that Yeah, dances like, yeah.
0: <laughs> with wolves soundtrack that's so here that's because the only thing my dad would ever play in his car was npr which i do love npr quite a bit uh, the Dances with Wolves soundtrack, or he would play the classical radio station, which I will forever credit his driving skills, where he likes to touch on the brake briefly and shortly, and his love of classical music with my um, nauseous reaction every time I hear it, because my father's driving always made me really sick. I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening. But um, yeah, his driving and his love of classical music is what i am going to attribute my hate and loathing and nauseous reaction to classical music too
1: i do remember your dad playing a lot of either classical music and am i am i remembering this incorrectly did he listen to jazz oh so much jazz okay he doesn't okay. listen to
0: jazz anymore but so much smooth jazz okay oh, yeah because so i, I distinctly
1: jazz. remember being in the truck and like four wheeling um up at george's and like him playing jazz. <laughs> it's just oh, like, absolutely. I feel like, I feel like, you know, some ACDC would be better here, but it, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But uh, I was also going to say the fact that you, like, I do enjoy NPR. Yeah, that's an understatement. She loves NPR, folks.
0: I love NPR. I, that is, you were correct. I you actually, we were in have... your
1: car going back from the gym and you had NPR playing.
0: <laughs> yeah. I also, my ringtone is literally Ira Glass doing an introduction for this American life. So I absolutely 100% am very obsessed with NPR.
1: And that's cool. And that's cool. (laughs) It's one of the many things I love about you. Um, But let's let's talk about Christian musicians, because I remember uh, going to a music festival that happened um, in California that was
0: um it was called spirit west coast oh i remember hearing that advertised on k-love back in the day yeah
1: exactly exactly so um it was a huge christian music festival i don't think they do it anymore uh i'm not sure really but we would go to the one in monterey i believe because i think there was one in monterey there's one in del mar and that was really like my first interaction with not only Christian music, but also live music. So I remember seeing like um Newsboys, Mercy Me, Casting Crowns, uh mm-hmm. kind of those those three really uh Jeremy Camp, he was another one. Oh
0: <gasps> I met him once. Oh I embarrassed gosh. I embarrassed myself when I met him, but Oof, how do you embarrass yourself
1: in front of Jeremy camp he's such a chill dude
0: I physically almost ran into him in a hallway how do you do that who are so, you I was dating I was dating that guy in high school whose dad worked at a very large church and Jeremy camp came and played at that church and because boyfriend's dad Worked facilities at the church. I got to go backstage, but to me, it wasn't backstage. It was just a shortcut to get to the snack bar. And I'm walking along the line and I'm not, I'm looking down at my phone or something and not paying attention. Before I know it, I literally run into someone and look up and it is Jeremy Camp and I am embarrassed. Oh my God. Yeah. But once
1: again, your food motivation just comes in clutch, doesn't it? I wanted
0: the French fries, dude. I just mm, that church had the one you wanted French, French fries. Then,
1: of course. Jeremy Camp's just in your way.
0: You gotta get out of my way. He gotta get out between me and my potatoes.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um but I would say those bands that I just listed off, like Mercy Me, uh Jeremy Camp, uh, Casting mm-hmm. Crowns, uh Newsboys, they were very much so the like the bands whose songs you would sing in church for worship, you know, yes. and I know that youth group kind of did their own thing sometimes and they would sing different songs, but those were the ones that I remember that were, you know, the stereotypical you mm-hmm. know, praising God that 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 was their music, which was super cool. Like they were known for Christian music. Now, this was also my first interaction with bands like Hawk Nelson Oh yes, and Reliant K and
0: um stellar cart and uh, what sorry i heard that the lead singer is a major asshole what a bummer because they've got some bops oh okay okay yeah they i will i will say they yeah they had some bops for their time i would not say that their bops have stood up well to the test of time oh, but no, I did have some bops
1: i'm sure if i listen to them now i'll be like no she's absolutely right um this is not a bop anymore uh and then oh who else oh and disciple
0: <gasps> yes did you ever listen to fm static
1: no i did not
0: dude
1: i'm sure okay. they were probably there though so but what i remember from this this concert is that it was all outdoors pretty much i mean most mm-hmm. and yeah I was going to say most concerts are, but yeah, kind of. Um, so it was done, like, I want to say almost on a horse track. Mm-hmm. So they had areas where you could literally camp and put up a trailer, put up... Um, they had tent areas, too, but, like, mainly trailers and RVs. So you Wait. Could, yeah. So you this could,
0: sounds like a Christian Coachella.
1: Okay. And... Like, you, you would park your trailer, you'd set it up, everything like that. You had all the hookups. And literally, like, you could hear the band playing from, like, I distinctly remember hearing Jeremy Camp playing from the RV. Wow. Yeah, it was basically like a Christian Coachella. Um, and they also had Christian comedians, um, which is where we got to interact with some of our our, our favorite or my folks I should say their favorite comedians my favorite comedian mm-hmm. is John Mulaney
0: <laughs> yeah but,
1: um, I remember that you know like the big artists that I previously mentioned Jeremy Camp, Newsboys, all of them they got the main stage which was massive and then mm-hmm. the bands like Skillet and um, Hawk Nelson and yeah. oh Family Force 5
0: ooh yes
1: yes I think I still follow Soul Glow Activator on Twitter <laughs> Really? That is amazing. I don't think they tweet anymore, but I still follow them. Um, they all had like a secondary stage. And I'm going to make this point here that those bands very much so kind of break the wall of Christian music because mm-hmm. they've come out and identified as Christian, but that is not their music breaks those barriers because mm-hmm. it's not. I don't want to say preachy, but it, yeah, it it really isn't, you know, like Skillet, I can't remember where I saw them, but it was just, it was a live show, and uh, they, like, so many people in the crowd were there to see them, and they weren't there for, like, the preachiness, and the guy came out and tried to, like, preach the gospel, and people were booing him off the
0: stage. Oof. Wow.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's unfortunate, but... I am just trying to say that like they're an example of Christian bands that their met their songs can cross genres.
0: Yeah. That genre crossing is really what makes bands worth listening to still. Oh, so I agree. I have a lot of my a lot of the Christian musicians that you mentioned as some of like your favorites when you were growing up were some of my favorites growing up, particularly in like sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Like I remember my first live concert experience that I actually wanted to go to was casting crowns and it Mm -hmm. was at a church. And I remember like meeting the band afterwards and being like simultaneously starstruck and starstruck because they were famous musicians to me. Um, and I remember, like, really enjoying them. David Crowder Band was, like, my shit. David Crowder also, was chill. Oh, yeah. I also really, really loved Audio Adrenaline. Mostly because they had that one song, like, the Big Big House song that was also a camp staple.
1: Did uh, you, do you remember that song? I think I know which song you're talking about. I Okay. I almost
0: want to sidebar, though, and say, do you remember Super Chick? Dude, I loved super chick and also like do you want to know how badly i loved super chick and this is really really embarrassing
1: uh excuse me i seem to remember you burning me a copy of one of their cds and us Uh trying to make hand motions to their songs
0: i don't remember that but that doesn't surprise me like that is (laughs) straight up something i would have done like that doesn't surprise me tell me
1: how much you love super chick
0: so when i got my braces off I had the opportunity to design my retainer, which I'm sure is a rite of passage in any child's life who has braces when they're in like sixth or seventh grade. I remember and this. I told the orthodontic technician that I wanted the super chick logo on my retainer and it, they messed it up because Google image search back in the day wasn't as great. Um, but they I got the word super chick in like an S logo on my retainer when I really wanted their logo from like that one album, Beauty for Pain or whatever. But yes, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm grabbing it now and I'm going to mm-hmm. put it in the notes so you can have a lovely little uh, throwback moment here.
0: Oh, um, great. here. Can we please like also make a, pl- yep, that's the logo. Can <laughs> we please like make a playlist for our listeners who can like hear some of our favorite bangers but also like cringe songs from back in the day oh absolutely absolutely
1: Sweet. you i mean these songs they i also want to say that these bands like super chick and uh skillet family
0: force 5 um i want to say chick's amazing say what still i nothing sorry i said super chick's amazing still but yeah. I, honestly i don't know if i would listen to them still but like I- they were in freaking mary kate and Ashley movies
1: they were yeah they were now this isn't a christian band but a symbol plan was also in new york minute really they were they were and i'm so proud of them but anyway um yeah no uh these bands also kind of helped introduce me to secular music because you know you you'd play um i would go to the library right and mm-hmm. look for these albums because that's how you got music back in my day mm-hmm. um so i would get these albums you know rip them put them on my computer and in the same area with these albums i saw you know green day and i saw um foo fighters mm-hmm. and because these were they classified you know skillet and i would say specifically like Ryan reliant k Yes. Under like rock and pop rock.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that that, I think I would say my experience is similar in some ways. I, when I dove into quote unquote secular music, I dove headfirst into rap because that's what all of the other kids on my swim team, when I was a freshman in high school, were listening to. So I basically switched tracks Very quickly, and then eventually realized I don't like rap. I just like listening to music that isn't (laughs) Christian music. Um, And I think that's when I kind of like backtracked and looked for bands that were similar to Reliant K and Switchfoot. And when um, John Foreman, yeah, when John Foreman like split off and did his own albums, that was when I really got into the groove of like folksy singer songwriter stuff, which I still love listening to today.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And you you have an impeccable taste in music. You really do. I, uh, as I coined on your Twitter, you are my (laughs) musically inclined overlord. Um, Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And on the topic of Switchfoot, uh, Dare You to Move was my eighth grade walkout song. Really? Oh, yeah. At my eighth grade graduation, we had Dare You to Move. It was fantastic. Yeah. We also had Green Day's Time of Your Life because who didn't?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And we made our parents cry to some song. And for some reason, it's not coming to my head. But anyway. Was it
0: Butterfly Kisses
1: because everybody cries to that song? No, but that's probably going to be my dad's dance song with
0: me. Really? Yeah, was it yours? Oh, no, no, my dad's dance song was um, "You Have a Friend in Me" from Toy <gasps> oh, Story. Oh,
1: bless it! Oh, yeah. see, I w- now now I would just want to do a song from Cars.
0: Like when there's no good songs in Cars for trust me, I thought about it. There's no good songs. For- <gasps> Actually, rude. I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't think about it that much. Just because
1: I'll do life could be a dream. Boom. oh that would be so cute oh my gosh anyway um sorry <laughs> we're getting off on tangents here but this this episode is I think it's just going to be a fun one because we're just talking about you know musicians now do you have you you mentioned rap and that made me think of Lecrae is he rap so- or hip-hop
0: I think he's more hip hop, but I thought. Okay. Embarrassingly enough, the only like Christian rap that I got into was KJ52, who is not good. And <laughs> Toby Mack, who is not exactly rap, but um Toby Mack is if, if, good though. He is pretty good, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of like his recent stuff. Like everything after I don't even remember the album names, but probably everything he created after about 2009, I did not enjoy very much. That's However, fair. a musician, two musicians I really, really liked to really started drawing me into the secular music realm. Um, I actually read about in Contemporary Christian Music Magazine back when that was in production. And they are Matt Carney and Sufjan Stevens. Ah, Sufjan Stevens. And in the same magazine, I actually just got rid of all my CCM magazines except for this copy. But in the same issue, there's Matt Carney with an article about how his songs talk about love in a way that it is, like, mysterious and that it could be romantic love or it could be, like, love for us and God. And I don't know why that intrigued me so much. It did. And then it also had an entire article about Christian musicians who, like, toe the line between... um christian music and secular music and that's where Sufjan stevens was mentioned and i remember looking at pictures of him in there with his like fun get up i think he was touring for either illinois or michigan but i just remember like seeing pictures of him touring with like a fun blow up um superman doll and just being like dang i want to listen to that dude's music yeah so those were some super influential musicians for me
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember the biggest one for me, I think, well, the biggest two, I definitely remember Super Chick being huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also remember, honestly, Skillet being, being massive yeah. for me. And Skillet, their music is incredible in the fact that I really love string instruments and in music. So getting violins and cellos and just instruments like that and hearing those and songs and Skillet is notorious for doing that. Uh, and it's super cool, too, because when they perform live, they have someone out there playing that instrument. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah.
0: Were there... Were there ever any Christian musicians that you listened to, and when you felt like you were listening to them, you almost felt like you were doing, like, something wrong? Like, they almost just seemed too not Christian enough? Probably Disciple, to be honest with you. Okay. They
1: were they were heavier rock. Now, I have a story about Disciple, actually. Um, Do tell. So, I told you in a previous episode about, like, the... Older guys, they were, like, one year older than me that I used to hung- hang out with, and one of them was the youth pastor's son. Mm-hmm. Or not the youth pastor, I'm sorry, the worship leader's son. So he and his family uh, had an in with Disciple. Like, they they knew them before they were big and all this stuff. So um, mm-hmm. we got to meet the band. We got stuff autographed by the band. Uh, literally, I had, a, like, a Disciple shirt that had all the band's autographs on it. And... Uh. Yeah, it was this whole thing. Um, and I remember not really talking to the band because I was maybe mm, 10 or 11. But I remember they were really chill. I don't remember anything bad. Um, yeah. That's my cute little story about. <laughs> but they were very much so uh, heavier rock, not streamo mm-hmm. per se, but definitely heavier. Ooh. And I always thought like those guys were singing about bad stuff. And that's just, that's just, you know, society and what, I mean, you know, what society tells you that stuff's about. Like, everyone says having, mm-hmm. like, metalheads are into death and destruction. I'm like, no, not really. I've got a friend who's a metalhead and he really loves share too, so.
0: Oh, that's amazing. He's oh one of my, my favorite
1: people. He
0: is seriously
1: is- one of my favorite people. Shout out to you, Gabe.
0: <laughs> I love how multifaceted that musical love is. I appreciate that greatly. Exactly.
1: Um. But yeah, I never really got into, I mean, like you said, I think the furthest I went into quote-unquote hip-hop or rap was Toby Mac, and mm-hmm. I, I actually looked him up, and I remember one of his songs, Made to
0: Love. <gasps>
1: yep. Mm-hmm. Do you,
0: that song was coded as explicit on iTunes when I first bought it.
1: Oh, did you feel dirty?
0: Yes. I felt <laughs> okay. confused. More than anything, I was like, this is a Toby Mac song? Why is it coded as explicit? And apparently the title is just too close to making love, so here we are. I will say though he's had a, he's still going strong, um,
1: and it looks like his fifth studio album received a Grammy for Best Contemporary Christian Music album at the 2013 Grammys. Wow, so that's impressive. yeah, that's that's a big deal. Um but yeah, that's as far as I got into that. I was kind of into the like like you, like the folksy, kind of maybe I would say like <laughs> pop punk. Yes. And that's kind of yeah. where Family Force 5 comes in. Let me see mm. if there's anything. Oh, there is. Whoop-dee-doo. Oh, they're still you going? Guess? Are you kidding me? That doesn't surprise me one bit. Like, they're very much so, um, like, they're often noted for their uh, party-centric perso- persona mm-hmm. and eclectic mis- mix of <gasps> genres ranging from rap really? metal to dance pop.
0: Yes. Yes. That just reminded me of another band that I think is like definitely into the heavy party persona. That, oh yeah, oh which band? Did you ever listen to MXPX?
1: Okay, no, but the name sounds super familiar. So add them. We're we're making a little list here, you guys, of bands mentioned in this episode, so we can definitely put that playlist together oh, for you. Hell yeah, add them to the list for sure. Hi
0: well i'm also creating a written list right now but they were like one of the bands that was literally they teetered on the edge of being a christian band i think more than anything like the lead singer was christian or something and like just proclaimed that in some of his songs but i was obsessed with them in like ugh, freshman sophomore year of high school um and they were one of those bands for me when I listened to them and I was like, hoo hoo hoo, I'm listening to secular music, but not really. Ha 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 ha. Um, just kind of that like mischievous feeling that that gave me yeah. was great. But I also, a couple other bands that I felt that way with was Me Without You and um, like Under Oath and Thrice. Ooh, and I remember. I
1: remember Under Oath. Remember Under Oath.
0: Yes. Yeah. They were one of those bands that like. I don't think we ever played an Under Oath song in church. Like, it was more of, like, you put some of their tracks on the playlist to play before youth group starts. But I remember our youth group band playing a song by Me Without You during, like, the communion and tithing and prayer time after a sermon and just being like, what is this music? And being obsessed with it from there on out. Yep. Yep. Which also... just got reminded that they're breaking up next year so now i'm sad oh no well you can always
1: have (sighs) family force five
0: (laughs) that is a sorry replacement
1: for me without you oh i'm sorry um that's okay (laughs) let me see oh wow she's got an interesting background once again it's not it's not my place to tell you can go look it up but she's she's super cool lady um But yeah, that was a big moment for me as far as Mm -hmm. kind of discovering my sexuality. And then, of course, being like, oh, I just think she's pretty. Like, there's nothing to
0: it because the church and their (laughs) homophobia. Homophobia. That's definitely, yeah. I think we could do a whole episode on homophobia in the church. And I would also, before we do that, I would like to set up our, like, call line so people can call and also share their own experiences because... The more voices talking about that, the better. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because to this day, I am
1: still dealing with uh, repressed homo like homophobia
0: oh yeah internalized
1: yeah because of the church and you know i still like question my feelings like oh no she's just pretty like that's all you just like kind of envy how she looks it's like no there's something more there so Mm -hmm. i i completely agree that we could do a whole episode on that and you're absolutely right the more voices the better because it's a big problem
0: absolutely yeah
1: um but let's see um when you were growing up, were you allowed to listen to any non-Christian music? I mean, you kind of said that your dad did um like his stuff, but were you allowed yeah. to? Yeah.
0: So, there was never really any hmm there were no bars on what I could listen to. I remember my first secular album I ever got was a mix CD published by Bath and Body Works because I bought like three Bath and Body Works kids products, which were a thing when we were kids. Oh my God. And it had like O-Town and a remix of Uptown Girl on it and some other tracks that I don't remember, but I do remember getting that CD. And not only was that the first, um, non-Christian music I ever listened to or recall listening to that was also the first CD I ever owned and I also remember getting CDs of like the Princess Diaries 2 soundtrack and the Cinderella Story soundtrack featuring Hilary Duff and Hilary I had Duff a Hilary
1: influential Duff influential to us oh oh my god, my god. I remember her, I... her album like her actual album incredible oh it
0: was immaculate yes, it was amazing. a work of art <laughs> 10 out of 10 still recommend absolutely but it's definitely it's definitely the sort of thing where there were no rules against what i could or couldn't listen to but at the same time my mom at some point in life literally bought a parody album that was christian parodies of popular rock music like The one song that starts with, like, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, and there was a Christian parody of Hotel California. And as soon as she got that album, that was literally all she had in her car for, like, three months. So I kind of got the message that Christian music is superior to non-Christian music. And when given the opportunity, we listen to Christian music. That being said, I have never been admonished by my parents for listening to non-Christian music, except for one situation when I was in high school and didn't realize that my song that I had playing in my dad's truck had a sexual innuendo in it. Like it just went over my head. I didn't understand it. And when the song ended, he was like, yeah, you should be careful with what you listen to. And I was like, what? And he was like that, that line. And I was like, what? And he was like, "Never mind." And I was like, I don't understand. And now this is awkward. I, so. I can see your
1: dad doing that. I can
0: 100% <laughs> see your dad going like, "Right, I don't know, because I,
1: I have had that experience with my own father and our fathers are brothers, yep. so that makes sense.
0: Which is even, I think it's even funnier that that was an awkward situation for him and that he picked up on a sexual innuendo in a song that I was completely aloof to because I was relatively naive as an 11th grader. So
1: aren't we that all is,
0: right? So, yeah, that was I wasn't really it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. It's that it wasn't really offered as an option.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, in in my own experience, I remember as a kid, my folks basically had Caleb on nonstop. I considered mm-hmm. it a step up when they let us listen to Air One. I remember that feeling. Yeah. Oh yes. A step up. Because and as Air One played Skillet, they played yep. um, Reliant K. They played Hawk <gasps> Nelson. Oh my god!
0: How have I not mentioned Anne Berlin yet? Oh, I don't know. You freaking love them. I do freaking love them. I don't know how I haven't mentioned them yet. That's I guess I don't list. really think of them as a Christian artist.
1: See, and that's the thing. I think that those artists have the biggest success. And mm-hmm. they they can, I don't know, they, they can go against the boundaries and get more people interested if that's their goal, or they can just have fun with it. You know, I feel like they have a lot more freedom. Um, I know for a fact that like Skillet has played not just Christian music festivals, they've also played, you know, secular ones as well. Um, same with Reliant K.
0: And Under Oath.
1: And Under Oath. And Disciple, I'm sure. Uh, disciple's a little iffy because their name. Um, But <laughs> <laughs> um, pe- people really don't care. I mean, Skillet is Skillet. Like, that's their name. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. But, uh, yeah, no. So I really, like I was saying before, all the way up through eighth grade, I remember that that was, it was pretty much it, you know? Like, that's all I listened to was Christian music. And then in... I want to say seventh or eighth grade, I remember this kid brought in a mix CD that he had made. Um, it wasn't a good one. it was not a good one it, it was just it was just troll songs like dumb ones, but mm-hmm. it had the final countdown on it, Ooh. which is a fantastic song, and it had Barbie Girl on it. Wait that was was that the first time you ever heard Barbie Girl? That was the first time I had ever heard Barbie Girl. <gasps> christina i know seventh or eighth grade Whoa. who am i um Dude. i know i know trust me i know wait till you hear the first secular album i ever listened to in its entirety and it is still one of my favorite albums to this day i'll get there in a sec and then and I'm, I'm, I'm i'm just gonna bring this up because the song i don't care what anyone says the song still fucking slaps um do you remember the numa, numa song
0: um i think i remember doing a choreographed dance to that at youth at our youth group church camp retreat because
1: i think that was like the first real taste of like a viral meme
0: oh oh yes because you had you had the guy who was
1: sitting in his computer with like his webcam facing him he just did a little dance to it right and everyone saw that video and everyone knows that song from our generation at least
0: Yeah, I didn't even think of
1: that. It was a terrible, terrible playlist, but I remember like (laughs) that was my first introduction to, oh, there's different music out there that I've never even heard of. Um, And then I think that um, because usually when my dad would come pick us up, uh, we would go sometimes we would go to the library for like 30 minutes to go grab stuff. And uh, I remember I went over to the rock music section and I saw this album and I was immediately pulled to it because the album artwork to me was super cool. And it was Green Ooh. Day's American Idiot. I knew it. It I is knew it. I know, I know. And I, I am a Green Day nut. Their newer stuff is mm-hmm. kind of pushing me to the brink, but I American Idiot is my be-all and all favorite album. And mm-hmm. it's because it tells a story and it's theatrical, but it's also really, really good. And they they are still one of my my favorite bands because do you remember their grammys performance or their MTV music video performance um i think it was either right before or right after 45 got elected and i
0: didn't have internet
1: fair so they i mean the only reason i saw it is because i love green day and everyone was posting Mm -hmm. about it i was just like oh my god this is amazing they did
0: one of their songs 45 or 44 45 this
1: was 45
0: oh never mind i did have internet but i don't remember seeing it
1: yeah no this was 45 so um they're up on stage and there's a break in their song and billy joe Uh, Armstrong, the lead singer of Green Day, gets on the mic and he just starts screaming, like, no Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA, and he keeps saying it over and over and over again, and it just reaffirmed my love for Green Day, but I remember feeling like the biggest sinner on planet Earth listening to that album, (laughs) because in the song American Idiot, um, I mean, they drop, they drop, they say, fuck, um, and they also use, um, the slang uh, for a cigarette and a homosexual person. I'm not going to say it.
0: Oh, yeah. So really, they they do. I, I think I've only ever listened to the clean version of that song.
1: Ah, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> and and they don't do it in a in a demeaning in a demeaning way. I know that song, that term is very derogatory, so I'm not trying to excuse it or anything like that. Um, I I personally just i don't think that's what they're trying to say there they're not using Mm -hmm. it as a as a slur towards those individuals um do they mean a bundle of sticks sure we'll say that uh okay no i mean um basically the the line goes maybe i'm the blank america and then the next line is maybe and then um the next line is i'm not a part of the redneck agenda Ooh. So, okay. I think it's just trying to say, you know, like I'm not here for what they're trying to sell. Um, so maybe I'm what they hate.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good analysis of that. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's the first
1: song and then the next song is called Jesus of Suburbia. And Oof. exactly. <laughs> that's a quick deconstruction right there. Yeah. Yeah, and then um uh there there's a line this is like uh I'm sitting on my crucifix and it it, it just it, it definitely just rips into you know the Christian faith and it mm-hmm. was I felt like such a sinner listening to it I remember any time I wanted to play it in the car uh I had to mute the bad words mm-hmm. for my parents mm-hmm. like they didn't know what they were saying mm-hmm. but any and then when my music wow. um When my music interests branched out and I listened to more secular music, I was still muting the songs. There were certain songs I couldn't play in the car because my mother would be like, do you know what they're talking about? Because let me tell you, uh, Britney Spears, Love You, Uh, when I would listen to, like, Womanizer and Three and all of her, like, more recent stuff, I I couldn't play Mm -hmm. any of that in the car. Because my mom's like, oh, my God, do you know what she's singing about? And I go, yeah. Dude, that oh yeah yeah no so um i feel that any kind of sexual innuendos or any um Mm -hmm. bad words quote unquote i definitely had to mute or like mute part of it and even barbie girl my mom was like i
0: don't want to listen to that song because
1: do you you hear what she says you know you can address me everywhere
0: barbie girl is in i have i do actually have a very large bone to pick with barbie girl oh
1: it definitely is problematic huge
0: oh it's so problematic it is it Yeah, it's so problematic, and I that is probably one of the first secular songs. After you mention it, I remember hearing that at a sleepover mm-hmm. when I was in like second grade, and just like jumping up and down on my friend's bed and like singing Barbie Girl, and I had no idea what I was singing because it's about Barbies, but oh no, it is not.
1: No, it really isn't, and and that that song is definitely derogatory and problematic. But that I mean, I definitely did start to branch out and it almost kind of introduced me to just sex in general in a way, because Mm -hmm. I'm kind of leading into the next part of our episode, which is the sex part of it. Um, I never and I mentioned this, I believe, in a previous episode, but I never had sex talks in school. Or in church. And if it was talked about in church, it was abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. That's it. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah, No no talk about, you know, condoms. No talk about STIs. No, nothing. It was yeah. abstinence. And that is a huge bone that I have to pick with
0: the church. Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, we – when our church talked about it, obviously, it was all – like very abstinence centered. When I was in youth group, I didn't have the verbiage to really discuss like complementarian beliefs versus egalitarian beliefs, like are men and women truly equal and have the same responsibilities and can divide labor accordingly between the two with what their actual strengths are? versus complementarianism, where women have certain strengths in the home, and they do those things and tend to those strengths, and men have certain strengths outside of the home, aka working and being the breadwinner. And those two things are equal in in importance, but separate in how they are lived out. And I don't have very many memories of complementarian beliefs in the church that I grew up in, which makes me really thankful that those sort of beliefs weren't, like, forced down my throat. Um, I am so, so grateful that I have no early childhood memories of pastors saying that women need to submit to their husbands and blah, 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 blah. Lucky. So, like, yeah, I'm, like, really, as I think about it, like, I'm really grateful On one hand, that the sex talks literally only dove into don't have sex before marriage and didn't dive into all of those other issues that I did encounter as an adult in a church receiving premarital counseling, which we will get to when we continue our episodes and progress to those later stages of our lives as we talk some more. But yeah, our youth group handled the sex talks basically like abstinence women stay pure. But one funny thing that I do want to note is that we, I did, did you have a purity ring? Was that a thing that you had? Oh yeah.
1: My mom got me a purity ring. And then I, (laughs) I took it to college and I went to my first (laughs) hockey game and I got so pumped at the game. I was like banging on the glass, like you're supposed to do. And I ended Uh up flattening the ring Uh, against the glass and a stone popped out and then she got it fixed and I don't think I ever wore it again sorry mom
0: that's hilarious that is a much better story than mine (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that is a much better story than mine okay what's yours oh I I didn't my mom did not buy me a purity ring I asked her to buy me one, which I don't know what that says about me. That probably says something about conditioning from the church that in order for a woman to be valuable and signify that she's better than everyone else and pure um, slash that's all sarcasm in a way that she needed to have a shiny ring. So my mom and I were at the Christian bookstore one day, which was a very common place for us. To be oh, I, I remember people. those. We love reading. And my mom basically said that i could have whatever i wanted as long as it was a book from the christian bookstore so i obviously read a lot of shitty young adult christian literature same okay. yeah but um i remember like being at the checkout and being like hey mom you want to buy me a purity ring and she's like why should i do that and i was like because i should be pure until marriage or something like that and she's like okay sure she's like yeah so whatever she me one and then i had some disordered eating in ninth grade so then she bought me another one that was smaller and fit my finger better and then um eventually i stopped wearing it and that's when she noticed that i wasn't wearing it and was like so why aren't you wearing your purity ring and that is uh, another story for another time but uh yeah i mean
1: this since mine wasn't until college really I <laughs> kind of, my mom didn't care. <laughs> she,
0: I mean, she yeah. did care. She said, like, "Do you still have your ring?" I'm like, yes, I more, mean, "Yeah." I mean, yeah. And I mean, like, mine was in college too. But also, like, I still lived with my parents for part of college, so they got some good observation on my life.
1: Yay! Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Uh, now I will say this: you were talking about like it being kind of a status symbol. Did a lot of your friends have purity rings?
0: You know what? Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, a couple of them did. So one of my friends from high school had a purity ring that was very fancy and looked really nice. And another one of my friends from high school, I think, had one. Now that I think about it, like, I'm pretty sure most of my friends from high school had one because, like, private Christian school, that's a thing. And a lot of my friends' parents were way more strict and... I don't want to say overbearing because that's not the right word, but we're probably a little bit more um, forceful in how they manage their children's personal mm-hmm. dating and sex lives. Yeah. So that's actually a really good point that you made because, yeah, I do definitely think a lot of my friends had those when I was in like 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grades. And promise rings. Those were a thing. I didn't really have
1: the whole promise ring thing because I had one, one boyfriend when I was in in high school and um we only dated for like six months but yeah um and he wasn't involved in the church so there was really no reason for us to get one mm-hmm. it was a very it was my sophomore it was our sophomore year bless it that relationship super cute it's done <laughs> yeah i'm still friends with him though and like we'll we'll talk shit about it sometimes so we're just like yeah oh like, that's good yeah that was that's healthy. that was funny <laughs> yeah no it, it, it was a good time but we look back on like the pictures of us because we went to um prom together one year Aww. and he honestly by far the sweetest date i ever had i remember his mom like picked us up in uh a show. she was in a chauffeur outfit Mm-hmm. and picked me up in her prius and i was blown away i loved it
0: <laughs> i was just like this that's is so amazing sweet. oh my gosh that's so amazing seriously
1: the sweetest person um his mom his his whole family honestly uh but yeah i i never did the promise rings purity rings were definitely a thing um i never asked for one my mom was like do you want me to get you one and I was like yeah I want to wear a ring and that see that's the thing is is my the, jewelry, the jewelry aspect and I've never been a big jewelry person I was like yeah sure a ring the reasons I I did these things and I kind of touched on it in the previous episode when I was talking about like getting baptized and not fully understanding um mm-hmm. same deal with the ring like I I didn't have the right motivation to get it mm-hmm. or or like the understanding really
0: yeah, you know,
1: and so um, well, that that's my take on it, at least like I wow. I, I didn't want it for the motive, like for the reasons why my mom was getting it for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted it because it looked cute. <laughs>
0: And that makes a lot of sense because if you didn't have like sex ed through your school or sex ed through your church besides like abstinence talks, I'm gonna call them abstinence talks instead of sex talks. Yeah, then that makes sense that you didn't like have the full picture. And I think I would agree from my own personal experience because our the sex education that I got in junior high and high school was very much focused on on the sort of idea of don't have sex because you will get pregnant even if you have anal sex um you will still get pregnant because semen can move and if you have sex with someone then your husband's not going to love you in the future and you will get an std and it will be uncomfortable and you will die yep Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it was very much and i think go ahead yeah i think very much for me like Growing up in a private school, like that sort of cultural subset of having a promise ring really showed that you were A, not a slut because slut shaming was a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. You were B... Mm Um, somebody of stature who is saving herself from marriage and was therefore desirable and c was probably some sort of like class move to be like oh look at my purity ring it has gemstones in it or look at my purity ring it came from the christian bookstore and it was twenty dollars and it's silver and it doesn't look like anything special so like I think there were a lot of um motivators for me as well that were not necessarily like oh yeah I'm gonna stay pure until marriage even though i did try very hard with that boyfriend's <laughs> um emphasis on i tried right. right we'll get to that another time
1: right and and um i i want to touch on that real quick the and i i'm kind of bummed we don't have a male perspective someone who grew up in the church uh to hear where they got their sex talk and like what it entailed um yeah because you you did touch on it the the slut shaming of it all where and i think it honestly stems back to adam and eve and mm-hmm. eve being the temptress
0: and i was just reading about this in a book
1: yeah and so that's where my mind went is like eve is the temptress right she tempted adam she she seduced him into taking a bite of the forbidden fruit and it has stemmed all the way to present day or at least when we were growing up in the white evangelical christian churches that women are the temptress and so i remember our quote-unquote sex talks were very much so boys the toxic boys will be boys mentality oh yeah. and um men can't control themselves so it's up to you to not tempt them you have to dress modestly you have to do this you have to do that like you you can't you can't show that you can't and me I've always kind of struggled with this because I'm I'm bigger in my chest
0: Mm -hmm. and so
1: like I would wear a shirt that someone else was wearing too and like guys would comment on my body and I and I feel like you can relate to that for sure.
0: I yes as you were saying that it reminded me of I had the exact same problem in high school not with chest, but with legs because oh, I have really long legs. So I would wear, I would wear skirts to church because it's Sunday and I want to dress up. And part of that was, yeah, I wanted to look cute and I wanted attention, but it's not so that like guys are looking at my crotch when I'm sitting down, when my skirt rides up, because I have freaking long legs mm-hmm. and I am I am sure that I do not have any specific memories about people commenting on that, but also would not be surprised if that was something that people commented on either to me or my parents or behind my back. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh yeah. And it it was always um, very much so just, you know, women submit to your husbands. And I know we're going to get into that more so in a later episode, but it just, it bothered me so much because the guys' talks to me always felt like, you know, you no, know, try your hardest, men, like and and I don't know, I and I'm not I'm not a guy. I wasn't in the in the men's, you know, sex talk or the, the, the boys' sex talk. I just I wasn't there, so I don't know. I'll have to I'll maybe I'll reach out to my brother and see if he ever got the sex talk and maybe I can bring it up in the next episode and kind of touch on it. But yeah, it just It sucks that that is is the mentality that we, that I, no, we both experienced growing up. No, we
0: both experienced
1: it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sucks that, and that is something that they definitely need to change. I I would like to see the churches be more open talking about sex and be more willing to kind of adapt the secular teachings as far as, you know, teach kids about, you know, protection and birth control mm-hmm. and what STIs are, how you prevent them. Um, yeah. They don't, like, I'm not asking them to go in as far as like abortion or anything, but I'm just asking them to be more open to that because if the kids or if mm-hmm. the young adults feel like they have a safe space to come to, they will.
0: Yeah, I would definitely affirm that and agree. And I also... I think that it is harmful within the church to think of those things as secular topics. Like teaching a kid how to use a condom is not a secular topic. That is not giving them license to have sex just in the same way that letting your kid get birth control is not a license for them to have sex. Kids are going to have sex. Like It is what pubescent and post-pubescent humans do. It is literally hormonal, teenagers will have sex. The question is, are they going to have somebody that they can trust, that they can talk to about it? Are they going to be able to turn to someone when they've made a mistake and confide in them? And are they going to be able to go to someone and talk to someone and get help before they do that? So I completely and totally agree that it's not condom usage and birth control usage is not something that the church should not teach. It's something that the church should incorporate if they are going to talk about sex because kids are going to do it. Like it's just it is what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if like I don't know, like if if the leaders could you know like I don't you're you're right and and you're hitting the nail on the head. And I'm just going to basically repeat what you've been saying and I don't want to do that. But I Personally, that was a big turning point for me too. You mentioned birth control. Um oh God, I, I yeah. didn't get birth control until I was twenty one years old because wow. my folks didn't think I needed it.
0: If you don't mind me asking, how long had you already been sexually active?
1: I hadn't yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I hadn't yet. Um I wasn't until uh college. But and that that just stems from growing up in the church unfortunately and and kind of looking down on people that had sex which is again Mm. internalized like misogyny and all this stuff that that they kind of ingrained in your head and um I remember going to the doctor with my mom and Mm -hmm. the doctor would ask me like are you sexually active and I would say no and the doctor would be like are you sure and mm-hmm. i would say no and then my mom would always be like she would wear it like a badge of honor
0: Oof. Ooh.
1: like she'd be like uh. oh yeah no she said no she's not sexually active i'm like Ugh. i'm that's not so it, it is it's, it's very cringy and I, I, this is not me bashing my mom at all um i just think that's kind of rough as a kid to be like absolutely I'm not sexually active no and like the doctor is honestly just looking out for you Mm -hmm. and trying to help you and I remember when I was in college and I did get birth control I felt like when I told my folks they were like why are you on birth control Mm -hmm. because if I come across the opportunity to have sex I'd like to not have a baby yep and that's the main thing right there so
0: i remember when i first got on birth control i was 18 and it was my first year of college and uh, my boyfriend at the time had become incredibly coercive when it came to sex Mm -hmm. and i kind of realized that it would be a wise idea to get birth control because I did not want to have a baby, especially with somebody who was emotionally manipulative. And yet, when it came time to tell my parents I was on birth control, I definitely copped out and said that it was for my acne because I also was not ready for them to go prying incredibly deeply into my personal and sexual life because there was a huge lack of trust there
1: dang i should have been smarter i should have used the acne excuse no i uh oh. i was mm-hmm. just like i want to be protected in case i i ever the opportunity arises and i'd like to have sex um and then i remember kind of when i went off to college you know i definitely became more more liberal and i wasn't like super public about it but people that I knew that were still in the church definitely knew. And I remember people would come to me and and ask me sex ed questions. Really? Yeah. And it's because, and, and blessed. I remember one person coming up and asking me, um, you know, is like oral sex when you do this? And, they were way off (laughs) Um, oh my god (laughs) and 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 i didn't judge i I didn't judge i was just like no that's not what it is this is what it is and they were like oh thank you i appreciate that and and that's the kind of communication that i would hope for for young adults in the absolutely and i i know that those conversations are awkward i know that that adults can feel uncomfortable talking to kids about this or t- I shouldn't say kids I should yeah. say young adults um yep. but I, I know they feel uncomfortable because it's just it's it's, a, it's 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 a topic that in American culture is just so shamed like you yeah. I mean, it's such like a closeted thing like you you can't be public about that stuff but if mm-hmm. the church wants to help its youth then they really need to start working on that cuz it's such yeah. a huge part of growing up in you know like public high schools and stuff like that mm-hmm. they're going to interact with it yeah you, you need to I've... teach them you know a no means no what to do and oh stuff my like god
0: that. I have so much whenever can we also do a separate episode on purity culture and how it contributes to rape culture oh because uh holy shit Absolutely!
1: oh my god okay yeah we because that is that's gonna be a tough if, one that's definitely gonna be a more serious one and we will put a warning ahead of that episode that we're probably gonna be talking about some triggering things
0: mm-hmm. there um, will also be crying yeah probably
1: <laughs> more than likely because <laughs> because we'll get real with you guys um yeah absolutely absolutely because yeah. that that's definitely gonna be a big topic and and unfortunately it's, it's an issue in the church that again, the whole point of this podcast is that we want the church to improve. And that's why we're suggesting these things is we, is we do want to see it improve and really become a place where people can come and feel loved Mm -hmm. and welcomed and, um, kind of open arms and grow. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. There's a community here. Yeah. And I, so yeah, to piggyback off of that, I so deeply, um, appreciate every thing positive that the church had to offer for me and all of the growth that I experienced there and the socialization and the friendships and the mentorships that came out of it. But there are a lot of issues within it. And I think that some issues, um, just to step quickly into the shoes of the church. I know that I know that like anti-abortion beliefs, I refuse to call them pro-life beliefs. I know anti-abortion beliefs are um, something that is strongly rooted within the modern day evangelical church. It has not always been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And my book recommendation for today, will touch on that. But one thing that I think everybody, no matter what side of the political aisle or where you are on the religious spectrum can agree on is that, we want there to be fewer women who need abortions in the world and i think that one way the church can actually help that is by teaching kids about birth control and birth control methods and again i say kids i mean young adults consenting young adults um but teaching youth group age humans how to use birth control would be super great not just while they are sexually active and in the youth group, but also as they become adults.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Because there have been studies. Now, I don't have any links to any of these studies, but I know that they're out there that show when abstinence is the only method taught, you are opening the door for young adults to go out kind of on their own and experience these things themselves and they're going to just, they're going to get into what they're going to get into.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm sure we can find that study easily, but yeah, there's definitely a correlation between states that teach abstinence only sex education and states that have a high teen birth rate. Although I also know that the teen birth rate has been dropping as of lately and some are attributing it to uh, social media, which is freaking weird, but okay.
1: Mm, is people just aren't interested in having sex anymore.
0: And yeah, straight up. What I like about
1: that is just to touch on that, it is cool that um that is becoming more accepted um cuz I know like that's kind of like the asexual culture mm-hmm. is um they still want like they can still want those like romantic relationships but sex just isn't a big deal for them. Um mm-hmm. and I know that so many people who have come out as asexual finally feel like recognized, and I think that' that's mm-hmm. really but um yeah no i I think that the church can improve on that for sure and and hopefully they do because that that would be a big deal and I like that you said uh it's not a pro life thing; it is a an abortion, yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, um, I'm sorry, what was your recommendation for this week? I didn't quite catch it.
0: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mention it in thoroughness. So my recommendation for this week is the book Shameless by Nadia Bolz Weber. Um, Nadia was a pastor for a Lutheran church in Colorado for a short period. Well, not for a short period of time, um, for a while. However, she is no longer a pastor and now she is working on other projects related to the church but her book shameless is honestly a very short read it's also very informational and it talks about how sex in sex should not be a shamed topic within the church and essentially posits both a sociological and a theological discussion and argument on why the church should be sex positive in their teachings. Also why we should stop fucking blaming Eve for eating the goddamn piece of fruit because Adam was standing there like a passive little ass hat.
1: Yes. Anyways. Yes. I'm going (laughs) to add like some applause right there. (laughs) You're right. No, you're right. And I just thought to keep kind of on the subject, um, of my recommendation for this week. It's something that I've kind of started listening to and it's super interesting because I am um, I started a journal and it's basically like um, a sex discovery journal because um, I'm finally on my own again. I feel like I can explore that side of myself a lot easier since I'm no longer kind of in my parents' house. It, it mm-hmm. really feels nice just to have that freedom again. There is a podcast called Why Are People Into That? with the question mark and exclamation point. And it is about, uh, I have like a little description right here, exploring sex, kink, gender, and love with Tina Horn. And nice. it is super, super cool. Um, I have listened to a few episodes and she's, they're fantastic. They're, is no shaming. They're so good with pronouns um and just um gender uh fluidity and all this stuff like so the first episode is about um power so like Ooh.
0: um give me goosebumps
1: yeah exactly so like why is power a big thing in 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 sex and like why are people into that exactly so it's it's a great podcast um and it goes kind of like all across the uh <laughs> all across the board here so like um they obviously talk about doms and subs um mm-hmm. they do talk about like the one episode is butt toys you know and and <laughs> i'm not i'm not trying to laugh or like shame anybody by any means it's just it's something that if you're coming from an evangelical background you did not really get exposed to this and if you did it was on your own and you felt guilty immediately afterwards Mm -hmm. so that guilt is still kind of at least for me that that's why I started this journal that guilt is still kind of there so I'm trying to work Mm -hmm. through it right now and listening to them talk about these things like it's you know family dinner at Christmas is fantastic because it takes away that guilt and that shame and makes it a more just conversational topic which is which is super cool so highly recommend that podcast it's it's
0: it's great yeah you said guilt and shame and i had a flashback to my mother shaming me for something that i actually had never done at the time at which she was shaming me for it so woof i might need to listen to that
1: yeah it's it's great It's great. I, I think that the host is, is fantastic. Um, And you learn things too. Things, I mean, that you didn't know were a kink or were something that people were into. So it's just, it's cool. You learn about things, Yeah. but that is it for me, Amanda. Any other thoughts that you have before we sign off on this uh, longer episode?
0: (laughs) No, I think that is it. We um, thank you all for listening.
1: I had a podcast say this today. I was listening to my recommendation from last episode, which was the alarmist. And she's like, we're doing the, um, RSR method, which is, uh, which is rate, subscribe, review. So Ooh. definitely rate us. If you like what we're talking about, give us, especially five- on iTunes. Yes. Yeah, specifically on iTunes. Uh, definitely give us a five-star review and, um, Once we see reviews come in, hey, we'll read them and we'll say thank you so much. Uh, Oh, yeah. And And if you want to
0: break our hearts forever, say something mean. (laughs) Not really. I'm actually pretty resilient. I'll read it and say, fuck you. And then that'll be it. Uh, And then I'll cry uh, (laughs) because water sign.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You immediately say Pisces. Damn it. Um, Pisces. (laughs) um, Yeah. So rate, subscribe, review. Uh, definitely definitely subscribe let us know how we're doing we really appreciate all the feedback um it's been it's been really nice to to get that um feedback from people and to get that validation when we only had one episode out so i'm excited to hear yeah. what people say about our, our oh, second yeah. episode because it comes out tomorrow
0: we should probably know we are recording episode six and we haven't even dropped episode two so by the time you hear this it's been a month at least. I know. Yay! A month on the <laughs> podcast. Just oh my god!
1: <laughs> yep. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. This has been, dear God,
0: what the hell? hell. Ooh, we need to work on that. Yeah, we'll get there. Bye. We'll get there. Bye.